What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Burndown. Today, we have a special guest, Ruben Stutter. Coming up next on The Burndown. What's going on, everybody? This is The Burndown. I'm Justin. I'm Eric. Today, we have a very special guest. He's an American gospel singer. Grammy Award nominee, contestant on The Biggest Loser, losing 70 pounds, huge cigar guy, and winner of season two of American Idol, ladies and gentlemen, Ruben Stutter. What's going on, brother? I'll clap on myself. Yeah, what's happening? <laughs> well, Ruben, thank you very much for joining us on The Burndown. It's a pleasure to meet you. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us. Thank you guys for having me. I'm 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 glad you guys brought me on. This is cool. You man, it's it's full circle. It's it's pretty surreal being a young kid, watching you on TV, and now I got you on my podcast. That's what's up, man. Yeah, so, this is this is this is cool, man. Special, man. thank you. Now this is this is really cool. Like Eric said, you know, we follow we we followed you. We we've watched you on TV, and it's like it's cool to have social media to be able to you know we get to meet you virtually, but we get to meet you. All through just social media. I mean, it's amazing. Where where are you right now? Where are you? Right now, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, on my patio, listening to the birds. Beautiful. Sounds peaceful. Yeah. Well, they may not come out because it looks like a cloud. So, so. <laughs> oh. well, we got plenty of those. I mean, we're we're up here in New York. We're in my pool house, and we got trees left and right, and the birds love to make appearances on the podcast. So you might hear them from time to time. But what's up? What part of New York are you guys in? We're in Long Island right now. Okay. Yeah. What is that? What is that venue in Long Island that we play in? I can't remember. Uh, Paramount. No, it's like a. Is it a sports venue too? The Col- oh, uh, the Col- Nassau Coliseum. Nassau Coliseum. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good experience or what? Good. Good experience. I played there a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually that was that was uh, one town over from where I grew up. That's in, uh, I think that's in East Meadow or Uniondale, something yeah, like that. It's Hempstead, that's that Hempstead area. Did you uh, have a good experience at the Nassau Coliseum? Absolutely. Yeah, oh. I, I played there a couple of times. They're, the, the people that work there are really cool people. Awesome. So let's, let's. Uh, I know Justin is itching to ask you this question because this is where he's from. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let him have his moment. So we're going we're, we're gonna to start it at the beginning. And the only place, the best place to start in the beginning is where you were born so you were born in germany actually correct i was i was born in frankfurt germany on a, a u.s army base my father was in the military so i was born there um i think we came back to birmingham alabama when I, my mother and i when i was about maybe 10 months old wow. and my father subsequently came after his um time of service was done well, thank you for your father for his service, first and foremost. Yes, thank you. Man, he ain't do nothing. <laughs> I'll tell you for sure. So have you ever have you been back to Germany since then or this is the craziest thing. Like I have been everywhere around Europe except for Germany. Really? And and it's so funny because every time I put an album out, I get like all the German radio disc jockeys, like they read that and they're like emailing my record company. Like we got to get him all because he was born here. So I've done interviews with all the DJs and stuff, but I've never been. Wow, man. And I listen, I was recording in Copenhagen, right? And it's a, it's a group over there. They're like really popular producers here, but they live in Copenhagen group called DK and they were like, man, we should, we should write the train. We should write the train to, we should write the train to, I was like, I'm here to work. Like, I don't, <laughs> only here five days. Like, it was like, no, you were born there. You haven't been, we should write. I was like, listen, I'll get there. So I, I plan on going. I mean, you got, I mean, I, I've, my, I have family there, which is why I asked the question. My grandmother still lives there. I've been there plenty of times. It's an absolutely beautiful country. Um, and I was going to ask if you've ever been to Oktoberfest, and it sounds like you've never been back. So if there's one place you got to go, check out Oktoberfest. I mean, I've, I've been to Oktoberfest in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't the same, man. No matter where you... I'm almost positive. Oh, it is. It's it's one <laughs> hell of a... My dad still has, like, all his, like, big, like, beer mugs and stuff yep. in his house. Like, he still has, like, a, like, all his stuff from Germany. That's wild. 
So what we're going to do, so we're, we have these cigars and before we, you know, dive into the episode, we have to cut the cigars, we got to light them, mm-hmm. um, spark them up so that we can talk it out while we burn it down. That's our motto. Yep. So I, I, are you smoking? Do you have a cigar that you're going to? I do have a cigar, but I'm not going to smoke today. I have to sing later. So I'm kind of. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, are, you, are you drinking anything? I am. Right now I am drinking, uh, I made a pineapple mojito. Oh, Kurt with Kurt and Sweeney rum, a dark rum, Kurt and Sweeney, uh, some pineapple, some fresh mint. So, um, so something a little sweet for that sweet voice that you got to put out there. You know, just, you know, something to like chill out. Cause normally I, I like, I, I'm, I'm a scotch guy. So normally I have like a scotch, you know what I mean? But right now, like today, it's just really nice outside. So I decided to make an actual cocktail. So. Perfect. Yeah, something a little fresh. And uh, so we're drinking coffee. One of our favorite cigar pairings is coffee. Um, and we are smoking the Anastasia by Robert Caldwell. So I've actually had that. Have you? You have? So is it? what do you think of it? Because we haven't had it yet. Never smoked it. Listen, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, uh, I think it's called Long Live the King. I love that cigar. It's like one of my favorite sticks. So, I, I mean, I, I, I give them a shot. Every time they make a different cigar, I give them a shot just because that particular stick is like one of my favorites. Oh, that's awesome. Anastasia, I actually had it in a, um, uh, a cigar shop in Auburn, Alabama. Um, it was pretty good. A little, a little peppery for me. Um, the Long Live the King is a, a bit smoother. Love it. I feel like. But, I mean... I, I don't think they make a bad cigar at Caldwell. No, they they certainly nah. don't. I mean, the first one I've ever had of Robert Caldwell is the Blind Man's Bluff, and I love I love that. I love the size of it. I love the creamy f- the texture of it. The flavor is fantastic. The draw is fantastic. So, like you said, I'll always give them a shot. Always. Um, and we had a, a follower of ours recommend this, and I'm surprised you say it's a little pepper. You said this one was peppery. The Long of the King. That one to me. Yeah, so I'm surprised because it doesn't look right off the, you know, it doesn't look peppery, but. No, so for, for, okay, like, so for some people, like, when they, when they smoke Maduro's, like, to me, I enjoy, like, I always miss the pepper in Maduro's. Does that make sense? Like, for me, like, the lighter leaves always seem to, like, pack more of a punch for me when I'm smoking them than the darker leaf does. I don't know why that is for my palate. And that's what we always say, you know, every cigar for everybody is always different. So you might not taste pepper in a Maduro, but we might. But that doesn't mean you're wrong, doesn't mean we're right. That's just how your palate is used to cigars. So it's it's an interesting perspective because we usually don't hear that too often. So it's good it's good to see that what we say actually holds truth. <laughs> right. So uh we're gonna uh we're gonna cut these real quick. And then uh, we want to ask you a lot of cigar questions, but we gotta we gotta be patient and be <laughs> and, and get ourselves together. So uh, we'll get right into it, and let's light these up first. Absolutely. We have, uh, I would say about in the Birmingham metropolitan area, we might have six or seven shops. Wow. The bigger, the bigger, the one that's closest to me is called the humidor room, which is about maybe a mile or so away from my house. Um, and then cigars and more, they have four shops. So they're like the, the big guys around here. Um, and then we have some smaller, like, you know, like kind of private, kind of like boutique kind of shops that, you know, generally have more of a crowd during like sports seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you get people that, cause you know, like, uh, the humidor room can, can kind of turn into a club every now and then. Mm, for sure. <laughs> like when you, really, when you really want to smoke on a weekend, you kind of, you might want to like go to the ones that's like just for cigars. You know right. I mean? No doubt. But when you want to hang out, you know, my man Saeed that owns the Humidor Room, he, I mean, he has a great bartender. It's all, it's a, it's a, it's a cool vibe, but Cigars and More, they recently just added bars to theirs, but it's more like, 
it's not like cocktails. It's like you're getting a, a, a nice pour of Macallan or you're getting the bottle service. You're getting that good stuff. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's not like, you know, you're going to go in there and be like, let me get a Cosmo. No, sir. No. <laughs> uh-uh. no you got to get that good stuff. They send you out. Go to the place down the block. We don't do that. <laughs> Walk across the street. We don't make Cosmo. So to to get right into it, Ruben, you know, how did you get into singing? Like, Where did it start from? I mean, just mo- like most people here in the South, most everybody here, white, black, Chinese, or indifferent, we all get started singing in church. Like, that's just mm-hmm. how it is down here. Like, the South is, we're all Southerners, we all go to church. And so I started my singing um, at where I sang for people. Now, I probably sang for my family and my mom and all that stuff a lot, you know, but um, I started singing for people in church when I was about five. Wow, okay. So you're real, so young, real young. I saw my first solo in church when I was five, and then after that, everybody was like, "Oh, he can sing!" Like we, he's singing solos from now on. So did you? So, so, did, so you, did you? You know, just kind of you naturally you knew you had it, and at a young age, people were telling you, "Listen, you have a voice," and then you were like, "All right, I'm gonna focus on this and really work on my craft." Really, like I, I mean, I think just like my mom, because my mom and dad were both teachers. I don't think that they both they never really focused on that. They focused on kind of making me well-rounded. So music was a thing that I did. Like I sang, but I played football, baseball. Um, I played the tuba. I was on the debate team. Like I, like my mom was just like, yo, you got to do everything. <laughs> Until I knew like that was going to be. And I think maybe in about seventh grade, I kind of knew like, all right, I might be a little better than everybody else around. <laughs> this might be my thing, but before then, like I like singing was just like because everybody sang down here. It wasn't like people kind of make it seem like oh they were singling you out. No, at my church and where I'm from, like everybody down here sings. Like it's just the thing that we do. You go to church, you sing, and you play and you play football. <laughs> Yeah, like even like I remember like my little football team, like we had little songs that we were singing, like you know, I mean everybody sung stuff down here. Yeah, it's it's funny because I always hear like when people talk about the South, they always say it's just like God, family, football, and singing. <laughs> now, and you played you did you play football at Alabama? I played at Alabama A and M. A and M. You did. Did you did you enjoy playing there? How was how was playing in how was playing college ball? You know what? Um, college football became more of a – it was more like a job, bro. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you got to wake up. You got to wake up early. You got two days. You got three days. Yeah. So I only I only played in college for one season, and then I auditioned for a, a music scholarship, and I got a full scholarship the next year in music. So I stopped playing. Yeah, no, I, I, I know what he's talking about with, with – because I, I played college ball too, and it's it's a job. It's a it's a full time job, especially if you're trying to balance schoolwork and then you know everything. If you have a social life, which you don't really have if you're playing yeah. <laughs> if you're playing sports, so wow. And it's so funny because it's like I, as a music major, because I had so many like classes to take, like small one hour classes that take up so much time. I still wasn't as busy as I was when I played football. Wow. Wow. Like it is a like when people say these kids deserve like a stipend, like they deserve sure. it. You know, because like, you know, I mean, you understand, like, you know, you got a game on Saturday and then you gotta, you know, you got papers and stuff to write that are due that Monday. And I went to a smaller school, so we didn't have like the all this like extra stuff that a lot of the bigger colleges have for their players to help them. Like, you know, you gotta, you know, we had tutoring, but it was like group tutoring. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? No individual attention. Wow. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely challenging because not only do you have people think they just see practice and games, but no, there's watching game film. There's working out. There's early morning practices. There's sitting with coaches. There's, Going over to it's there's a ton of stuff that goes behind it. That was the hardest thing for me, bro, was like the first 
I can remember vividly like my first day at practice. And I remember like, so they made like, none of the upperclassmen would give freshmen a ride to the field house, right? So there's like everybody, like, so we had to run to the field house. So we ran to the field house, which is like a mile away. We get there and we start working out, like lifting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then straight from lifting, take a shower, you put your pads on, you go straight out to the field. I hear you. And straight from the field, you go from the field to watching film. Yep. No, I hear you. Cause, I mean, I didn't play ball in college, but I played football my whole life throughout high school, you know, from fifth grade all the way to high school. But even in high school, it was, it was two days, three days. Then during school, you had to be, you had to be at the school before class started. And then you had an, you had an hour to review, review film and you had to go right to class. And after school, you had practice and you have a paper due, but you can't go to the paper because you got to go meet the coach or watch individual film. And it's a lot of work. Bro, but it's different when they don't have to let you go. Right. Because it's like, especially if you're on scholarship, yeah. it's like, listen, we're paying for you to go here. We own you. Yeah. <laughs> sure. In high school, they have to like let you leave. Like in college, when you're watching film, you're watching film like. If if you get in the if, if 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 the film is on at seven, you're in there at eleven o'clock. Period. Oh yeah. No, oh God. yeah. Damn. Oh yeah. So you basically said, "All right, fuck football. I'm going. I'm singing. <laughs> yeah. I'm f- screw this shit. I'm not watching film for four hours. I'm gonna go sing. Yeah, it's a little bit. A little yeah, because I feel like I whatever I do, I have to love it. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to spend four years in college like miserable. Yeah. And I and I and not that I didn't have fun playing football, it just was not I could tell I didn't feel the same way I felt in the music room that I felt on the practice field. Definitely. Right. That, well, right. It's good that you picked up on that. I mean, you got to do what you got to love. Yeah. So, so you said that you got five cigars with you. You got a few of your favorite cigars. So, one of the questions we definitely want to ask you was what are your favorite cigars? Okay. Um, well, I have one of them here. And everybody's probably going to be like, oh, that's a bull because it's like. <laughs> no, man. Not, not here. It's your cigar. Your favorite is your favorite. I mean, there's no judgment. My favorite cigar, hands down, is the Fuente Opus X. Boom. Oh, come on. Boom. Man. That's beautiful. Boom. Like, Love to see it. I, and, and so here's the story. Like, I. When I first got into cigars, which was like like right after I won American Idol, I um, one of the guys that was like a rep of mine bought me like a like a celebratory box of cigars, and he bought me a box of Arturo Fuente short stories. Beautiful, good stick, good stick. And uh, I never had a cigar before. Like that was my that was my introduction to cigars. Wow, that's right? a little, little little on the strong side for an introduction, but but I I the first one I hated, and I called him. I was like, man, I don't like this. He said, man, no. I'll come down the next because I I was he he was like, when you come to New York, bring the box with you. I brought the box. He was like, we're gonna go to a shop. So we went to this. I can't even remember the name of the shop right now, but we went to a shop and we smoked one. He said, man. Just chill out and enjoy yourself. Like, don't think about anything. Like, let's just enjoy it. And I, like, from that point on, I have been a fan of cigars. Like, it's been, like, my like my secret kind of, like, hobby. Love mm. it. So that's one of my favorites. Another one of my favorites is this Special 52 by Davidoff. Wow. Another, another great stick. Man, you, so you got some good sticks there. Those some, those some high-powerful sticks. 53, not 52, 53. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, and I, I, I'm a fan of Davidoff's, but I, I think they do a better job on their limited edition sticks. Yeah. Than, than they do on like their everyday smoke. Sure. Have you ever had the, uh, the chefs, the chefs edition? Yeah. I like. So one of my friends is a chef, and no, like he, like he put me on the chefs edition. Um, all he really smokes is Davidoff. That's like he, like that's it. But he put me on the chef's edition, but I like this one. And um, this Cohiba Royale. 
Oh, no, you got three three I mean, solid smokes. I mean, dude, you're smoking good down in Birmingham. Oh, yeah. I don't know what people are thinking, but you're smoking good. Um, So in, in the conference that I play in, uh, in my school's conference, is called the SWAC, the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Mm-hmm. It's also the conference that Michael Strahan played in, that, um, let's see, Jerry Rice, like, wow. uh, you know, a lot of um, players, but a guy – um, that went to one of our competing schools, uh, Grambling, he reps this cigar, and he introduced me to it, Sean Williams, and he got, got sent this to me, and I, I, I enjoy it. I have smoked, like, five or six of them, like, and I had to slow myself down because I only had, like, <laughs> I only had, like, 10 or 12, so I had to, like, oh, all right, you might, you might want to hold up, so I actually ordered some more so I wouldn't be, like, out of them, but. This was this is a really good stick. Wow, man, he's smoking good down in Bama. Yeah, that that's definitely that's a terrible. I mean, not a terrible. That's a phenomenal top three. I mean, I was ex- I was not expecting the Opus to dab it off. Yeah, when you said like, oh, people are gonna say blah blah blah. I thought he was gonna it's like like a Romeo and Juliet or something, which is still a good cigar. But I was not expecting an Opus X. Opus X is definitely one of our favorites. I know we love the Lost City um, Opus oh, X. Man. Fantastic, yeah. Fantastic stick, and then uh, another one is the um, uh, the twentieth year God's Whisper. Mm. That's another the blue label. Fantastic smoke. Um, have you guys been to Have you been to the the shop in uh, Vegas? I have Casa de Fuente. Not me. Oh man, look, that's how I got on the pineapple mojitos. Really? Please tell us. Yeah, like they like they made one in there, and I was like, oh, this this is slamming. I gotta have. <laughs> this is my new drink now. Right. So you so you drank the the pineapple mojito with the Opus X, yeah. But another but another honorable mention, and I just don't have any with me. But and they're so hard to find these days. Is Atabay? Oh Ooh, wow! You know you oh, do know your cigars. you know your, yeah you know your shit. You know your cigars. Because yeah. when I asked you are you cigar guy, you said I'm a cigar guy. I just didn't know what kind of level of cigar guy you were. And I mean, you're up there. You're way up there. Atabay is is killer. United Cigars made a phenomenal smoke with Atabay. Yeah, they. Um, they and we've gotten it. it. We've gotten it with um, a subscri- subscription service. Luxury Cigar Club sent us our first Atabay, mm-hmm. and we smoked it on a podcast and pff, blew our hair back. Fantastic stick. They are hard to find though. They, I mean, when they come to burn, listen. I have. I had the guy at Cigars and said, "Listen, you got to call me when they come. Like, if you're not there." Within the two hours of them opening the box, you're dead. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You need you need the first dibs. You need it because once they once they get in the shop, they're gone. Yeah, you're dead. They're they're out of there. That's like the um. There was two other cigars in our local shop called Matadors here in Long Island. There was the Drew Estate Feral Pig, mm-hmm. and oh. and the Lafleur the LFD the LFD and Illusion Bull. Those two cigars. I, I almost brought a bull out today. <laughs> oh, dude, he knows his shit, man. You do know those you two know. cigars? Same thing. You open the box. I was there once. I because I was there after work. I went in. I had a cigar. They just opened the box, and I got there like five o'clock. And by six thirty, the box was gone. And okay, just now, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you feel like they changed the blend? Yes, and the losing bull. The, yes, from and the first time I, yes. from the first time to the second time I tried, hundred percent. Yes. What is what is what is that about, bro? So I'll tell you. So this is the theory, and I don't know if it actually happened, but this is my theory: is that when a cigar gets rated in the top, you know, let's say five, or this one actually won Cigar of the Year, Andalusian Bull. I forgot what year it was, but it won in the last yeah, a few years ago. When a cigar wins, cigar the top the Cigar of the Year. Everybody and their grandmother wants to get the cigar, yes. so it starts flying off the shelves, and then the co- the company can't keep up with the demand. So the quality of the product starts to diminish because they're trying to pump out so many to keep up with the demand, and then the flavor starts going down with it. That's my theory. I don't know if it's true, but I think that's I agree with you. It's when it first came out and it won Cigar of the Year. It's fantastic, and then it started to yeah. I'm, I'm, I, every time, like, and I. I kind of hate that I smoked all the ones that I had when the first batch came out because yeah. now it's like I can't even remember how 
I'll, and I have some friends in my cigar club like that are holding on to like, like one of my partners has a box from like back in the day in his humidor. He was like, yeah, I'm going to wait like five years so y'all can give me like $100 a stick for him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, another thing I can think of too is that it's kind of like wine where the same wine from year to year might taste different because of the climate. Because when you're, you know, same thing with tobacco leaves is the climate's not exactly the same every single mm-hmm. year. So the climate could change, but with cigars, you know, change from year to year, I don't know, because they probably harvest a lot of the leaves and have a big collection of them, but change from year to like six years later, I can see that. Yeah. So, so as we stay, as we were saying earlier, no, you know, we're about, you know, mindset, positive inspiration. And a question I have for you, just because um, I just like to know people's mindsets when they're about to embark mm. on something huge, mm-hmm. is getting off of cigars real quick. You know, right before you were on American Idol, like you were about to set the stage, how did you prepare? How did you get your mind? How did you get the mindset to like get in the mode? Um, I will always like find a quiet corner. Because you have to understand, when we take the show, of course, it was, it was, live, it was a live audience. And it's, it's pandemonium in the audience. Like, you can hear the guy that's pumping the crowd up before Ryan Seacrest comes out. He's, like, making them dance and do all this kind of stuff. So, like, every, you know, and you kind of see a little panic on everybody's face. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I... Um, what I normally did was just go in a corner and just like say positive affirmations. Like I deserve to be here. Mm. I'm a winner. I can do. And I I would always like this scripture. My grandmother taught me that I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I would say that. Oh yeah. Love it. Like I would just say it over and over again and it worked. Like I would, I would always go on stage with laser focus. I, I was never scared when the camera came on. And I, you know, I subsequently ended up winning. I love that. That's uh... the only time I was actually nervous on the show is when I didn't have to sing. And that was when I was standing there. (laughs) (laughs) If I was going to go to the next round or not. But the singing part was I was always like, oh, I got this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, now that you say it and watching it, because I rewatched it again. I mean, you just walked up on there and just crushed it. I mean, it wasn't even a hesitation. Knocked it out the park. Like, all right, sing. And you're like, all right, let me do it. All right, go for it. Oh, so long for this night I prayed. And you just crushed it. So it's it's cool to hear how you develop that mindset and how you prepare just to go right into it. I love that, man. I love the, uh, the positive affirmation. And I love that scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. That's um, Philippians, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I love that. And that's one of our big things is positive affirmations as yeah. well is just, you know, so many people you talk about, you know, there's a lot of inspirational speakers out there. They try to inspire others and they give others motivation. But the key thing is inspiring yourself. And how do you talk how do you talk to yourself? Right? Yeah. Because you have thousands, if not millions, of conversations every single day, and ninety-nine percent of those conversations are in your own head with yourself. Absolutely. So how are you speaking to yourself? Are you hyping yourself up? Are you telling yourself you can do stuff? So I love that. That is that is one hundred. That is 100. I mean, because we talk about it all the time. And again, it's cool to hear how other people do it and see successful people do it because it's not just it's not just nonsense that it, it works every single day. I mean, both both of us, we write positive, positive affirmations down, goals down just because you got to be in that mindset. You got to be able to control the day. And um, it's very, very cool to hear that. So kudos to you. Thank you, sir. So. We're going to kind of spin off of that. And one thing that we've been doing lately on our, on our uh, episodes is we have a quote of the day. Mm. And today's quote of the day, Eric found from you, actually. Um, it's only fitting. Ruben Stuttered is on our podcast. We're going to do a quote from Ruben Stuttered as the quote of the day. So, Eric, why don't you read off the quote of the day? All right. Let me read it here real quick. And uh, so what you have here, it says, it really doesn't bother me. I just do my thing and God has a plan for me. And I mean, 
what we say is like, we're just going to do our own thing. I mean, you really can't hear the outside noise. You really can't worry about what other people are doing. You just got to do your own thing and things will happen. So that is our quote of the day, which is, it really doesn't bother me. I just do my thing and God has a plan for me. Right. And as long as you, as long as people, if, if you like live your life understanding that only you and God can determine what happens to you. Mm-hmm. Other people saying things, other people having their opinion, like you have no idea as a kid how many people probably hated on me being a singer or hated on me, like saying that I was going to be famous. Like I said it all the time. I was like, Yo, I'm going to be famous, like just so you know. <laughs> like whatever you know what i mean but now like you know when they when people see that i've actually accomplished the goal that i set out to accomplish it's like you know you have to believe in yourself first and it's like and it's like to you you're like people are like wow you accomplished your goal you're like yeah i i knew i was gonna do this like i've been saying it since i was a kid like it's no surprise to me i knew where i was going yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean you know and people don't understand i got a lot of no's from from the from the as a matter of fact from the exact same companies that ended up like I ended up being signed to after American Idol like I got no's you know it wasn't like uh, I I wasn't out here trying before that it was just that I kept at it like I never let let an opportunity slip or you know didn't chase my dreams because I was deflated I never got deflated I knew I was supposed to be doing what I'm doing man and I I love that it's like uh somebody had told this to me once too. It's, it's almost like driving in a car. Like if you, if you're going, let's say you get in your car and you're going to, I don't know, let's say you're making a road trip. We're in New York. Let's say we're going upstate to Buffalo, right? And you have your GPS on and you know, a hundred percent fact that you're getting to Buffalo. Like no matter how you got to go there, yeah. whether you got to go around a detour, you got to go this way, you know that you're getting there. Like there's not a shadow of a doubt. It's 100% faith that I'm going to get to Buffalo. So it's the same thing. It's like if you know where you're going and you just have faith, you, no matter what you do, if you have to go around this way, you hit a bump, you hit a speed bump, you have a detour, doesn't matter. You know 100% I'm getting there. So when you arrive, it's no surprise. Like I, I knew I'd said it all along. Yeah. I knew I was going there. So, so spinning off of that, um, being that you know you are in in your mind you had your positive affirmations of I'm I'm already gonna do it I'm already gonna crush it I am the best you know when you performed and all three judges were like Ruben you have a very nice voice thank you very good voice mm -hmm. <laughs> Randy what I think you? very good voice as well what was like going through your mind you're like I knew I would do this um I was number one excited because um. It was like finally like the stamp. Like I like I something in me felt like this was gonna be my thing. Yeah. Like, and I, I knew when I heard I was going to Hollywood, I was like either gonna be in the top ten or I was gonna win. Either way, I was gonna make it. Um, and at that moment I was happy because my brother was with me and my brother was my rider. Like my brother was always my supporter. Like awesome. even when I like he put money up. Um, for me to record one of my first demos, like when I decided to leave college, like my brother was my, even when like other family members weren't, my brother was my guy. So to have him there with me. Probably amazing. Birmingham, Alabama, <laughs> I just like to say hello to my mama. I love you, mama. Thank you for being so supportive to me my whole life. This is my brother, and to my dad, I love you too. Birmingham, we're on our way back home, and I'm going to Hollywood. It was an amazing feeling, and you know, like I, like that's the 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 memory that I have now because my brother has subsequently left this earth. He's no longer with us, but oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry, thank you guys. That. But he uh, he was always my biggest fan, and like to have him be as excited as I was that day. Because he was invested, you know what I mean. It wasn't like um, that's your blood too. That's I mean, that's yeah. something you grew up with your whole life. Yeah, but he was. Uh, he had also put his money down. He put his money where his mouth was. It wasn't like he was like, "Yo, I think you good," and keep at it. He was like, "Nah, here's here's you know fifteen hundred dollars for you to go to the studio." That's awesome. So he put up some money. I mean, you know, when right. when back you know back then when it's 
you know, that may be like the only thing that you have, or that's the, uh, you know, when you haven't achieved the, uh, the success that you know, you're going to achieve yet. You're yeah. still in the beginning at 1500 bucks is it's a lot of money. Yeah, man. He was, I mean, he drove me to the audition. I mean, yeah. The, at the end of the video, you I mean, you guys, you guys are like hugging each other. And I mean, I, I got two, I got two brothers. So I, I put myself in, in those shoes being like, man, if I was in that situation, we'd be hyped. We'd be going nuts. So that's a, that's a really cool memory. And it's cool that you said, it's not even that, you know, these judges said you're good. It was the fact that you remember that your brother was there and you guys celebrated together, which is awesome. So you make it to Hollywood, right? What was the journey like from that first time in Hollywood up until the season finale when you finally won? How was that journey? The funny thing about making it to Hollywood is that you're around all these people that in their mind are stars before the show. <laughs> so it's like I kind I kind of kept to myself for the most part. Like I didn't really like click up with people or any of that. I kind of like did your own thing. Decide, and I just I just paid attention mostly and I watched I also watched Clay do the same thing. You were there you were there you weren't there to socialize. You were there to work. No, I was working. I'm here to do my do a thing and that's it. <laughs> yeah, man, like it was, you know, like the whole thing. I mean, because you know, you can imagine what the atmosphere was like. You got a bunch of like 23 to 18 year olds that they've shipped off to Hollywood. It's like a big frat party. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like the people that are able to focus in on what they're there for are the ones you undoubtedly saw in the finale or in the in the like subsequent like top 24 and stuff like that. Like, you know, cause there, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I heard some people there that could sing better than me for sure. They just got distracted. Absolutely. Like it, it wasn't like a lack of people were there for like, cause it's a talent show. So it was a lot of talented people there. It's, it's kind of like, uh, and I'm misquoting it, but it's kind of like that quote. It's like, you know, you don't have to be the hard, you don't have to be the best. You just have to be the hardest working in the room. That type of mentality. Yeah, that's um, that's the quote that says, uh, oh, I know it. Um, um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Exactly. Yep. There you go. Because I, I, I understand what you're saying because, I mean, I can't speak for Justin, but when I've been in situations where there's a lot of people, same, same skill set, same mindset, and you see other people kind of just getting distracted and you're there for one sole purpose – I'm the same type of way. It's kind of like, well, I'm only here for really one reason. I got to be focused on what to do. I can't really get involved in distractions because that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I love that. So one of the questions I want to ask you is that, so growing up, you know, obviously you've probably listened, you know, you probably had people that you listened to, people that you still listen to. What is, well, who is your favorite artist? And do you have a favorite song of all time? My favorite singer, period, is probably somebody you guys have never heard of. His name is Marvin L. Winans. Marvin L. Winans. I'm sure you've heard of the group, the gospel group, the Winans. I actually, I can't say I have. Yeah. I can't say I have. Well, Marvin Winans is the older brother of that. Well, he's the second oldest brother. And he is one of my favorites. Fred Hammond is also one of my favorites. And Donny Hathaway. Donny Hathaway. I know Donny Hathaway. Okay. Um, but when I was a kid, I liked all the stuff that kids like. I, I mean, I love New Edition. Like that was my I mean, that was that was my group. Like I couldn't. Of course. I, I I hate like doing these interviews without like giving them shout outs because like. I feel like it's a generation of singers that wouldn't be around if it wasn't for us seeing kids their age. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, they didn't look much older than us. You know what I mean? So seeing them do their thing, I think inspired us to say, oh, we can do that too. You know what I mean? Right, right. So now so now I'm actually going to extrapolate on the, the second question I had, which was what was your favorite song? But maybe it's the same song, maybe they're different songs, but what's your favorite song to listen to your favorite song growing up and then what's your favorite song to sing my favorite song to listen to is a song by donna hathaway called a song for you 
song for you. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to, to play some, a clip right now. That song. Yeah, do some research on that one. Cause we're alone now, and I'm singing the song to you. And um, my favorite song. You said my favorite song to sing or listen to. To, to sing. sing. My favorite song to sing is probably Flying Without Wings because it always reminds me like, yo, you want. It brings I'm flying without wings. Like you made it. <laughs> like so when people are like, and it's so funny, like I rarely do it on concerts, but when I get a chance to sing it, I'm always like smiling and excited because it just takes me right back to the moment when i won america it's just it's like it's like the feeling that it gives you right yeah now how now now how did you transition from where you were into now gospel singing how did you make that transition people gospel is just a genre of music i made a gospel album and everybody's like oh he's a gospel artist now no i'm a singer and I sing all kinds of music. Um, you got to talk to Google. You got to talk to Google. You Google yourself, and it's American gospel singer. Right. It's, it's, it's so hard to get them to change stuff. Like, but it, it doesn't matter. I'll be whatever they want me to be. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I grew up singing gospel. I grew up singing everything, but I felt like because gospel is my roots, I had to, like, do an album to pay tribute to all those people that were, like, influential to me musically like because before i had like secular albums all i I mean all the songs i knew was like yes jesus loves me and jesus loves the little children like i mean like those are like you know so like like you can't i feel like you're you're being inauthentic if you don't uh uh appreciate where you come from Mm, absolutely celebrate where you come from like being a Christian is a part of who I am. And so for me, like doing that album just for me lets the world know like, yeah, I sing these, you know, bedroom ballads and all this stuff, but I still love Jesus. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like um, one of the things that I that I uh, heard from somebody uh, along the lines of, of gospel and, and Christianity. It says that um, your talent is God's gift to you. And what you do with that talent is your gift back to God. So it's almost like, you know, God gave you this beautiful gift of singing, and now going back to your your roots, your Christian your Christian roots, putting out a gospel album is like your gift back to God. Saying, yeah. "Listen, thank you for this beautiful gift. Thank you for you know guiding me and strengthening me to achieve my goals." And I, I love it. And I it's like, it. and like without like trying to be braggy, it's like it was like one of the highest selling gospel albums of all time. Brag mm-hmm. about it. Brag, Brag about it. This man. is this is an interview about you, man. This is a time for you about to, it. Don't be humble. Brag, baby. <laughs> you know the thing that was so crazy was is like I I was I was shocked <laughs> because I literally was like, okay, I just did my first album. I should, I want to do this gospel album so my gospel people can know I still love y'all. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm still the same kid that was like singing in the church with y'all. Like, yeah. Y'all. So I did it, and people like went bananas. Like, and I, I, I have to give God the glory for that because, I mean, like even to this day, like that I need an angel single, and still like, like I get people writing me letters saying how much that song like helped them through like bad situations and so for me i knew it really didn't have anything to do with me like that was god engineering absolutely mm. that's awesome man mm-hmm. i mean because from what i understand i mean you're a big luther luther vandross guy i mean yeah are you, are, are you doing are you doing something here's the thing my mom is the luther vandross <laughs> fanatic okay Whew. and it used to drive me crazy as a young adult that people used to go, oh, he just reminds me so much of Luther. I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not a, not a bad person to be compared to, but. No, but I, I, you know, at that point, I kind of wanted to just be like, I wanted people to be like, oh, it's Ruben. Yeah, right. No, I get you. I get you. Yeah, but now that, I, so the, like the past three years, I've been doing a tour called Ruben Sings Luther. And it has been like, crazy when i say crazy like crazy how these crazy (laughs) (laughs) and 
I'm so thankful that, you know, for my mom, because I wouldn't, I would have never knew all, I, I know all of this material because of my mom being such a huge fan of Luther Vandross. Sure. And I'm like a sponge. So if I hear some music, I won't, it won't, it'll take me a while to forget it. And growing up in the house with her, that's what she played all the time. She played Luther Vandross all the time. So for me, when I stepped into the, and I actually, like when I was a kid, she actually took me to his concert. I didn't want to go, but she made me go. But now I do the exact same concert. Isn't that wild? It comes full circle. It's amazing how it happens, right? I, I, copied, I copied the exact, so I went, when I got ready to do Ruben Sings Luther, I went to my mom's house and she has a VHS tape of the tour that she went to. Don't tell me she compared both of you on a TV. At some part, at some parts of the show, you can absolutely do that. Like we we do the exact same. It's like a Broadway performance. Wow, wow, that's awesome. So let me ask you. So are you are you still doing Ruben Does Luther or Ruben Says absolutely. Luther? Absolutely. I mean, we can't now because you know it's COVID. Well, yeah, but I mean, is is the, the tour was on hold? But are you is that tour coming down coming to New York? Are you coming back to the Coliseum or? We've been to New York like four four times. We did. Uh, oh man. Go on RubenSingsLuther.com and look at the past shows and you'll see it. Like, I mean, we did, we've done New York several times already, but we'll be back. Because when you're coming back, we got to come see you. That's, yeah, that'd be sick. We got to come check you out. I mean, I mean, now we know you. So, y'all got to come check me out. Let's see here. Now, how has it been with the whole coronavirus stuff? How is that? How you doing with like tours and stuff like that? What's like the good word with that? We're, we're at home. So, we were at Sony Hall in New York. Okay. We were, uh, let's see, go down, go down, go down. We were at the Lehman Center for the Performing Arts in the Bronx. Okay, okay. know that place, yep. Um, go down, go down, go down. We were at Mayo Performing Arts Center in Morristown, New Jersey. Okay, okay it's not too far. The Borgata, Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know that place, been there. We were at the Bergen 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 Performing Arts in Inglewood. All right, that's yeah, that's just over the bridge, Inglewood, New Jersey. It's a nice St. George Theater in Staten Island. So you showed a lot of love to the people in New Jersey and New York. Yeah, we got it. I mean, we we I mean, we literally have been all up and down the Eastern State Theater in New Jersey. We gotta go. We gotta check them out <laughs> next time. Next time, NYCB Theater in Westbury, wherever that is. That's oh, long, I know that place. Yeah, that's right on. Long, that's Long Island. That's Long Island. That's not. That's not twenty too, minutes from us. Yeah, it's not too far from here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's gonna be interesting. You know, concerts and stuff. We'll see how that stuff plays out. I don't really want to talk about it because that's all we hear about. Yeah, but, but um, we'll have to see, man. Like, yeah, I want everybody to be safe. At the end of the day, like. Once we'll get back to it when everybody can come and be comfortable and not have to worry about contracting the coronavirus at a concert. Right. Do you got any, do you have any crazy concert stories? Like, you know, someone jumping on stage. Yeah. What's the craziest (laughs) concert story? The craziest stuff in my touring career happened when I was on American Idol tour. So what was, so what was the crate? What was like the most memorable, craziest thing that you've seen on American Idol? The America, I, I remember we were at in Minneapolis at the Mall of America, and we all went to buy camcorders. Remember when everybody wanted like, yeah, of course. So they had just came out with the camcorder with the thing that flips out on the side. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so we all wanted to buy one so we could record our experience on tour, and we went in the mall, and we were in there twenty minutes in Radio Shack, and the mall shut down. Oh my god. Oh. Like we had, like they had to like take us out. So, cause I worked in the mall in high school. So I knew about those like back hallways behind the stores. Yeah, of course. They had to take us out through one of those back hallways in the mall of America to get us back to our like SUVs and stuff to go back to the University of Minnesota for rehearsal. Wow. That was crazy. Um, Clay and I were doing like our like, winner runner up kind of situation like when we were doing like all the talk shows and i think we were coming out of like bb kings in 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 manhattan like at times square and it was like pandemonium well times square itself is just pandemonium in general i can't imagine when it's i think we were like trying to be like 
regular. Just try to fit in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we were trying to like kind of walk and be cool. And somebody spotted he and I together walking. It was like, ah! And we had to run back in BB King's. Oh, yeah. first time I, the first time I came home, though, after I won, a lady jumped on my neck and the, and the, like, the state troopers had to like pry her off of me. It was crazy. What? what? No, what do you mean jump on your neck? Like she like threw herself at you? Uh, she, she, she was in front of me and she was like, I, I, think, I think she was like going to give me a hug, but instead she like hugged me and wrapped around. <laughs> she was an older lady. She was like in her 60s. Like she was older. She felt young right she, th- she felt she young s- right then and there. She straddled you. <laughs> but she felt young that day. Though. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. All right. So to get into more cigars now. Now you said your first cigar was a Fuente after you won American Idol? Yeah. Now so you had that you had that first cigar and it, you said it wasn't that good. How did you develop a liking for cigars. How did you like get more and more to cigars? Was it more for celebratory reasons, or you just liked the way it felt? Yeah, because you said that you sm- you smoked the the short story, then you had it again and started liking it. So, what was the journey after that? I mean, I just they started being more like a celebratory kind of situation. So, like if it'll be my birthday, I would buy a box of cigars for myself, yeah. and I would smoke them because nobody else would smoke with me. We'll we'll smoke with you. Yeah, I mean, we'll have come to New York. We're gonna smoke with you. I'll be happy to go to Birmingham. I've never been to Alabama before. Let's go. <laughs> and so for me, it's like I I can only do it when I'm off the road and I don't have subsequent shows coming up. So I have to have like a week between, like if I'm if I want to smoke some cigars, like I have to have a week where I can't, you know. Right, because you, know, you got you got to sing. You got to sing, obviously. Right. right. But I mean, it started off as really just celebratory, kind of like you know, going to the cigar shop, not really knowing what I was asking for. And then um, I think about maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, I really started to get into like different cigars and what the blends were and what, and what made them, what made them the cigar that they are. Like, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, and I started just, you know, buying more cigars. Like, cause once you get into it, like it becomes like a, it's an addiction. Yep, a part of a part of your budget. So yes, <laughs> that's a perfect way of putting it. I have one, two, three, four humidors now. Wow, awesome! All packed. I'm assuming. Well, the the fourth one is just for the boxes, of course. The the kind of like you know the refrigerator looking kind of. Yeah, yeah. The where you you keep those and you age them, let them sit. Right, and then the other three are just like you know when I buy single sticks, I put them in there. And, you know, when when you're smoking a cigar, you know, you obviously just said it's for, you know, you used to do it for celebratory reasons. But now when you're smoking a cigar, you know, what does it mean to you? Is it a way to collect your thoughts? Is it a way just to relax? It's, it's my relaxation time, man. When I come home, I, I come out on my patio and I turn on the Wynn Marcella CD. I say CD, but of course, iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> we got you. We have CDs. We got you. <laughs> Um, and I'll, you know, I'll sit back and have a cigar, man, and just listen to my music because it, it helps me decompress. Mm. It's, I, I generally always have my cigars at the end of the day. So it's not like, I'm not like, I don't, I don't, I have had cigars when I'm on vacation, like after breakfast with coffee and stuff like that. Yeah. I enjoy them more at the end of the day when the sun is going down, I can like enjoy my music and my cigar. Mm. Now we, we are, we feel you on that one. Cause that's definitely one of the, the things that we think about when we're smoking cigars is it's a time to be at one with your own thoughts. It's a time to rejuvenate, like regenerate, what's the, uh, recharge batteries. Sure. Sorry. Bring yourself back to neutral. Like you said, decompress and kind of forget about everything else. Just be in the moment, listening to music, relaxing. That's what it's all about. It's the cheapest form of therapy. That's what we say. Yeah. The cheapest form of therapy. That's, that's, that's a fact. I mean, but do you do you smoke cigars with anybody? Do you have a family member or a friend? I'm actually a member of a cigar club here in Birmingham. We're called Cigar Men of Distinction. Cigar. So, we, you know, we smoke cigars together. But I generally just smoke them. I have, like, like now that I'm a cigar smoker, like, I, I have friends that are now, like, cigar smokers. Yeah. yeah. 
you, you find out quickly who the cigar smokers are and you start surrounding yourself with those people. You know, but the th- it's, it's, such, it's so fatty now. Like everybody wants to go to a cigar shop and kind of hang out and, you know, look cool. You know what I mean? You could always tell when it's like a new guy in there because he's like smoking an acid. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. A Java mint or a latte, right? Java mint latte, passion fruit acid. <laughs> And you can smell it right away, yeah. too. You know from a... He could be sitting 20 feet away from you, like, that guy's smoking a freaking... Or, or, or someone's smoking a cigar, and they're like... Hey, and they're in, in the cigar club trying to look hard and tough with the, like, Java Mint, like... Boy, you don't even know what you're smoking. Yeah, you don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So, let's... So, you're talking about, like, you have your, your group that you smoke with, right? And now you start having... As a cigar smoker, you you befriend people that are that are fellow cigar smokers, but... If you could smoke a cigar with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Michael Jordan. Yes. Wow. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> now that's a good one. That's a good one. That would definitely. That's up on my. I would smoke Michael Jordan. I mean, I was a basketball guy. We talked about playing college ball. I was a basketball nut. So Michael Jordan is up up on that list. Have you Absolutely. ever met Michael Jordan? I have, like in passing, kind of like "What's up?" Yeah, kind of situation. Did you, did you, I'm sure you watched a documentary. I did. But so like, I was like, you know, Michael played baseball here. Mm-hmm. So yep. I was like in my formative years, like when he was playing for the Barons. So uh, all of us were doing all we can to get a glimpse of Michael Jordan back then. Like, I mean, I remember going to back in the day, we had a shoe store here that was called Just for Feet. And he was doing an autograph sign in there. And I like, tried to go out there and the, the the line was a mile down the street it was yeah, so crazy can imagine i mean but i did get a chance i did get a chance to see him play with the Barons, so that, i guess that counts you know did you get a chance to see him play basketball yeah he actually played an exhibition game here in birmingham with the bulls one time and i, I got a chance to see him play yeah, he was he was he only else. played he only played like two minutes though. <laughs> yeah, but that was probably a spectacular two minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, like you know, it was an exhibition game, so it was like they were playing like the Denver Nuggets or something, and they weren't that good back then. I mean, hey, you saw him play a win's a win in my yeah, eyes. Absolutely. So um now now I don't think we asked, but you said you had, you know, the pineapple mojito with a cigar, but do you have a and you drink scotch, as you said. Do you have a particular cigar pairing that you like when you when you smoke a cigar? Um, I don't, man. I don't. I'm I'm not beholden to any particular kind of alcohol. It's just really what I'm feeling. Like if I want some scotch, I'll have a scotch. If I want rum, I'll have rum. If I want a cognac, I'll have a cognac. I, if I want to drink a beer, I'll have a beer. Like I, I don't. I'm not one of the people that have to be like, well, cigars are only good with this. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's my choice. Like if I want. A cigar and a Coca Cola. I'm cool with that. Yeah, no, amen to that. Right, I better myself. I mean, it in my in my opinion, if you there's nothing wrong with just saying I like a cigar or bourbon, but in my eyes, you're not really getting, you're not really expanding your horizons and enjoying the other experiences that you can with other different right. pairings. You know what I mean? Yeah, and certain cigars will pair better with with different things, right? Yeah. Like if you have a mild, creamy, nutty flavor, it's probably going to pair very well with coffee. If you have something that's like a pepper bomb. You probably like it with scotch or bourbon, right? Yeah. And certain things are going to pair well with certain um, beverages. So definitely, like you said, expand your horizon, try all different things. But my uh, the, the one of the one of the questions that I also wanted to ask was, how did you come across us on Instagram? Because you actually followed me on my birthday, so thank you for that. That was a great birthday present. I'm all, I'm always looking for cigar pages, and okay. so like that was like. I saw that. I was like, "Oh, these guys seem cool." Oh, that's awesome! Man. Well, we appreciate the follow. Thank yeah. you very much. I mean, I was I was celebrating my birthday. I was like, I think Ruben Stutter just followed me, and everyone was like, "What?" And they're like, "No way!" And I was like, "Yeah." I'm like, look, he got the blue check mark and everything. He said, "I just messaged him. He said he's a cigar guy." And I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I don't think there's any better guest that we need to have on right now. I have to ask him." So you, that's awesome, dude. You said it to me too, and I was like, "No shit!" And then I checked my Instagram, I'm like. Oh fuck! He followed me too. <laughs> like so, like damn, this is cool as shit right now. <laughs> and it's that's awesome because uh, Ed Reed, Hall of Fame football player for the Baltimore Ravens, said the same thing. He followed us and followed me, and I and I asked him. I said, 
you know, how did you come across? He's like, hey, man, I just like to look for cigar pages because I'm not sure if you know, but he's a huge cigar guy too as well. So it's, you know, it's kind of cool how social media kind of puts people together. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you, you know, giving us a follow and obviously being on here. But it's just cool to see that putting up pictures and taking time actually works because people appreciate it. No doubt, guys. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Right now, I got to take a call from my mom. So I'm going to have to let y'all ride. Of course, man. Thank you so much for being on, Ruben. We really appreciate it. And thank you just for taking the time to hang out and smoke a cigar with us. No doubt, guys. Have a good one. All right. Good, take brother. care, Ruben.